Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 152. Let's roll. And uh, I, I, I do like tooting my own horn. I do like doing that. It is fun. But this week I wanted to do something a little bit different up front. You know... We don't, I don't often, you know, pimp our site. I'm not out here just giving you endless, you know, follow us, hit us up, subscribe, all the bullshit. I don't do too much of it, but I got to say, I got to say, in the Scott Fishbowl right now, we have a bunch of people from the Undroppables in the top, well, we have three in the top 47. With This is a 3,300-man tournament or person tournament, of course. There's plenty of girls. Um but um, but we've got all, all the guys right at the top. And I wouldn't mention it so much if not for the fact that the guy, Dan Bradley, our very own, you can find him uh, at tw- on Twitter at AWL Sabermetrics. If our very own Dan Bradley didn't specifically have a, a, a podcast and a YouTube uh, channel basically on, on Droppables devoted to Scott Fishbowl strategy, and guess what? He is third. He's third. I mean, this is like, you know, just absolutely proof of concept. Uh, by the way, I am number 47 out of 3,300. Just, you know, let your boy know. But wanted to give a little shout out to some of the guys on the team that are absolutely killing it. Dan Bradley, Brad Wire, our offensive line guru. Rhinos. Rhinos is up at the top. He's number 148. No, he's just dunking on the pod father right now. He's just dunking all over him. You know, they had their kerfuffle in our big game, but now Ryan can say, hey, man, holla at your boy. Holla at your boy. So, you know, Vi Salas is up there. The Our very own Michael P. Duncan in the top 500, 7-1. Unbelievable. You know, so even Kyle Larson, of course, Chalk is doing well. So we just had a pretty good showing on the undrop. But I just thought I'd give a little shout-out to my boys, especially Dan Bradley, who put in the work, and uh, it paid off. Good job. Uh, I'm going to win the whole thing. Everybody knows that. But without further ado, I'm going to bring out – this is like so much fun. I, I, I have some shows that are fun. And then I have guests that, honestly, I swear, there are certain guests. Maybe Andrew Cooper's one of them. There's a few out there um, that I would want to podcast every week with. Well, this week, I have one of those guests. I have with me my man, Felix Sharp with me this week. And I am so excited to have Felix on every time I have Felix on, I just get so excited. He is one of these guys that has a a true skill that I value. First of all, he's my friend. Now we become friends, but secondly, he is very, very sharp when it comes to see what I did there with, 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 with the college game and helping me understand it. We're going to talk a little bit about that this week, because I think now's about the time we're getting some some results from the college game and I want to check in with my boy Felix and figure out exactly what's going on there but we're going to get to a bit more than that so without further ado Mr. Felix Sharp what's going on buddy don't you try to butter me up don't you even try it Mr. Falcone yes sir the last time I was on this program we had gotten an hour into this is before the NFL draft yep we had gotten an hour into this program, and you didn't even want to talk about Anthony Richardson. Mm. You didn't want to talk about Anthony Richardson. And mm. then I said, these are all the reasons why yep. he's going to be that dude. So the people want to know, Yep. 
Do you believe? I do. Do you believe? Yes, sir. I do. I'm a believer. And you're you're right to call me out because ultimately I was very dubious of Mr. Anthony Richardson. And you know what? That's why I have you on the show because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I've never seen the guy play. I look at his 53% completion percentage and one year of production. Yes, he's an athlete, but what does all that mean? Well, when you start to dig deeper and you start to talk to smart people like you and yeah, I'm buttering your ass up again, you, we figure it out. And, you know, I, I did not pass on Anthony Richardson when it came time for my, you know, rookie drafts. I was able to pull the trigger with him as my QB1 in many situations in a rookie draft. I was not afraid based off of a lot of the feedback I got from smart people like yourself. And ultimately, the upside was there. Um, so, yeah, I think I am a believer. Um, but you have one other small victory lap that you can take, which is the Will Levis. Look, People will, of course, revisionist history, everything. But if we go back to when we recorded that, I think it was before, certainly before the draft, I think it was March, something like that, you were saying, I'll take odds on Will Levis not being drafted in the first round. And that was laughable. Not that he wasn't a first-round prospect. Many people said that. But you had said, I don't think he'll be drafted in the first round. That was what was laughable because there are people actually – there were people mocking him to one, oh, one overall, let alone top five, no, never getting past Indianapolis at four or five or wherever the fuck they were. So your call there, you just go ahead and run around, the, run around this whole place. I mean, just, you know, the studio is yours to take your big, giant victory lap. You know, every time I come on this show, we uncover some really mm. good stuff. So, two, you know, two years ago, two and a half years ago, it yep. was Ramondre Stevenson – and um, I forgot Mitchell. what your call was. And Elijah Mitchell, yes. And then uh, here more recently, Will Levis not being a first-round pick. I don't, I don't even necessarily want a victory lap yet yeah, because right. I always thought that he fell in the Drew Locke, um, yeah. that yeah. spectrum of, of player. It, th- to be honest with you, I don't, I don't follow draft Twitter. I don't really follow Dynasty uh, fantasy football Twitter as much. I do. Uh, as far as quarterbacking goes, I kind of follow my own process there. Right. And there was never a point at which I thought Will Levis was I, – I think this is what I said on the show. I said, "Who? which GM is going to tell their wife, hey, honey, we're going to stay – we're going to stay in this city for years to come because I drafted Will Levis. There's nobody no, – nobody – I don't think that anybody would believe that. Right. The guy had so many flaws to his game, and he fell to the uh, to the second round. And not he fell to the second round for the Titans. He's not even the backup for the Titans. He's yeah. the third string quarterback yep. uh, for that team. So yeah, that's feeling like a mistake at this point. Even taking him in the second round. So it, yeah, it was right. really a lot of the the outside noise where the perception was that that this guy had uh, a first round skill set. I never. First of all, I didn't realize that that was the case. You know, it wasn't until we got deep into the draft process that I realized right. oh, people were saying he's a first round draft pick. I never thought that that was the case, but man, we always uncover some uh, some good stuff when we're yeah, on. Yeah, we'll do it again. I, I, there's a boy. There's a there's a player that I think you're pretty excited about that I can't wait to talk about because you know I wasn't so sure about him, and that's Michael Penix. Um, that's that's been your guy, and he's really showing out this year and making himself some money. I would assume that you think he might be a first-round pick, and we'll get to that question and more just after this. 
So Michael Penix, you had you had said that uh, this was this was a you know a, a first round guy, and maybe over the last couple of years, people were unsure. But so far this year, Michael Penix has been great. I know we're going to get to some college stuff a little bit later, but I, I wanted to ask you just what your thoughts are just about Michael Penix. I, I've been dying to ask you because we haven't talked about it at all pre-show or off air or anywhere. Um, what, what are your thoughts here about him? I mean, obviously you got Caleb Williams, number one. Do you think it's possible that Penix is even like the second pick overall? Is that like in the cards or is that like a little bit too strong a statement? I think it's too strong a statement that he would be the second pick overall. I would still favor Drake May from North Carolina being that player. You know, um, doesn't have the pure arm strength as Michael Penix Jr., but he is way more athletic. He doesn't have two ACL surgeries. Um, Drake May is an excellent athlete, excellent in the red zone, a guy who can do, you know, pump fakes to to move linebackers to different spaces that he wants to. So I would still favor um, Drake May as being as being the the second quarterback taken. I think that there's a good chance that Michael Penix Jr. is the third quarterback ta- taken, but I think that that would be picks twenty five between t- picks twenty five and thirty two. Got it. If Michael Penix Jr. becomes a first round draft pick, it will be by far, by far the best call that I've ever had because <laughs> I saw this guy take over for Peyton. I cannot remember his last name but there was a junior quarterback at indiana and michael Penix jr as a freshman which is very difficult to do unseated this incumbent he's uh and you saw like this guy who was inaccurate but had this huge rocket left arm opposite hash throws aggressive throwing the ball downfield dealt with some injuries there at indiana but when i think it was the 2020 season where he was actually healthy for the majority of the season. You saw him upset Penn State uh, at home. You saw him nearly upset that Justin Fields, Ohio State team with Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, uh, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., those guys. This guy is a guy who will stand in the pocket, get hit in the mouth, and he's not throwing the ball like, you know, between five and eight yards down the field. He's throwing the ball 30, 40 yards down the field. Yeah. He is he is like one of these throwbacks back to the old school game. You know, you know what what Al Davis wanted to do, throw the ball deep, deep downfield. He can move a little bit, but he is a pocket passer. But the fact that he can be accurate to all quadrants of the field. If you want to be on the right hash and throw a 25-yard out to the left hash, he can do it, you know, outside yeah. of the numbers. Yeah. So, you know, I saw that this guy who you a, sometimes a player needs a trait to hang their hat on. Sure. He might have the strongest arm in the country. Right. Uh, he's, he's always been that way. And just because he played at Indiana, people didn't realize that. It wasn't until, really, he went to Washington. And yeah. by the way, he went to Washington – and he wasn't even projected to be the starter there. He was uh, he was competing with a former number one overall quarterback in his class, and Sam Heward of the Heward Brock Heward. Yeah. He was the other Heward quarterback of that family. He's the son. Yeah. He's the son, the second generation of that family. He was Brock Heward there in Washington. He was thought to be the starter, and Michael Penix Jr. comes over and uh, and takes a starting position. And he's been going bombs away to three uh, wide receivers who are all going to be uh, NFL draft picks. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that he. The the problem with him is his a little he's a little bit older and he has the injury history. But if you just watch 2022 and 2023 and you're an offensive coordinator and you say, well, what can I call in my playbook? Right. There isn't a throw that he can't that he can't make. Now you're not going to have him run read option, 
You're right. not going to have him do, you know, a play action boot and throw all the, on the run. He can do that. Right. But as far as standing in the pocket, like like Jared Goff with more arm strength. Yeah. There we go. Michael Penix Jr. is going to be a dude. Yeah, he's a, he's an old prospect, and in, you know we're seeing some of this stuff, sort of the ripple. <clears throat> excuse me, the ripple effects from COVID season. You know, I think some of that happens, and he transfers, and yeah, I mean it's it's very interesting because he's basically a sixth year player. You know, given his you know experience from you know uh, four years at Indiana and two years at Washington, you know the sort of the double redshirt situation. Uh, you know, all that's kind of a negative, but you know when you. Look, I do not watch college football. We famously have talked about that. You always make fun of me. Uh, but uh, I, I have glanced at it. I don't watch it, but I glance. And when I have glanced so far, dude, the, the arm is real. That's for fucking sure. It's like, you know, it's like, wow. That, so I'm getting excited about the arm, you know, the age and all the other stuff. I love that I, I set you up for the hot take and you didn't take it. You were just like, no, no, no. Let me tell you what the real, real shit is. Uh, yeah. By the way, the hot take. That that we uh, that we had for two years, and I've been saying, can I victory lap on the Trey Lance situation? And what do you think? Do you think there's any chance this kid ever comes back? Because I mean, I was right as rain on that motherfucker. I think that he's going to get another chance, just like Geno Smith got another chance, just like Baker Mayfield got another chance. Sure. Eventually, some team is going to sign him. It might not be in Dallas, right? You know, it might be with. Uh, with with Atlanta or some team where he's brought in as a backup to kind of compete, yeah. And I don't know that his story is written y- yet, um, but he's definitely you know you should not have taken uh, him over Justin Fields. You should not have taken him over uh, Trevor Lawrence in that in that draft and the quarterbacks in that draft class. That that much is apparent, and it's yep. going to be something that we. I mean, th- let's think about what happened with Trey Lance. He had an excellent redshirt freshman season in 2019. 2020 was the um, COVID, the COVID season, the COVID year, and he played like one game, one game that they really – they played one game because they wanted to showcase him one more time right. uh, against an FCS opponent and then, what, declared for the NFL draft. So, um, yes, he had all the physical tools, but – Quarterback is a position, man, and you played. You know, you yeah. need reps. Yes, you need reps so you can understand where the where the defense is moving, so that you know when you get to the play call, you automatically okay. My read on here is the weak side linebacker or the boundary corner or whatever it is, and if I don't go through that read, I go to the like that. You have to be able to think through that stuff within a within yeah. a second, within two seconds, and when you don't have the reps to do that, it's really, it's really you know, it, it's hard to. It's just hard to. Um, yeah, it's hard. Position, it's hard enough, so. Felix. It's hard enough to if I if I told you exactly what what's going to happen, where everybody's going to be, how the play is going to play out. It's hard enough to just get the ball there in the NFL, even if you know everything that's going to happen and where everybody's going to be on the field, exactly how the coverage is, and you know exactly how your guy's going to run the route. It's still hard to deliver the ball, let alone if you have to figure it all out. And I'm not saying that he could or couldn't figure it all out. Obviously, he couldn't. I mean, at the end of the day, I thought the the biggest uh, data point was when Brock Purdy got hurt. They immediately were like, Brock Purdy's a starter. I was like, wait, what? We don't even know if he's ready. And they were like, no, 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 he's the starter. We're going to sign Darnold. It was like, why? Like, that was their perfect opportunity if they thought that Trey Lance was ever going to be something for them to say, Purdy will compete when he's healthy, but we're going to give Trey the opportunity. They never said that shit. I was like, well, that's a, that's a, that's the death knell because, you know, you can't t- t- say a guy with no arm 
like literally physically no arm is your starting quarterback. That doesn't make any sense. So once they committed to Purdy immediately after the injury, that's that means there's something stinky about Lance. And of course they tried to get off him. And and then the other thing is like none of the teams that that were around him. Maybe you know Houston's uh, front office and coaching staff had been around him. Uh, Tennessee's. Uh, coaching staff in front office had been around him or whatever. I can't remember. Oh, the offensive coordinator there or whatever. And like, so all these different guys had been sort of around him and part of the team that drafted him and they they passed on him for, you know, a, a second round pick, you know, they picked Will Levis over him. Right. You know what I'm saying? So clearly I think they all felt like there was something not quite all the way there with this kid. Maybe the raw tools are there, but that's still a project. And I think that's still what he is. And I think you're right. He will get a chance somewhere down the road and better make do. Um, another guy who just got a chance and did kind of make it happen was Zach Wilson. I mean, wow. I mean, what, what, what were your thoughts about seeing Zach Wilson actually do something positive in the NFL for once? Uh, it wasn't only that he was doing something positive, but the, the throws that he were making were NFL level throws. So what I mean okay. is, is like, you know, down the seam with a linebacker's back turned but because that linebacker's back turn back is turned, he knows that player is open. He can just throw that, you know, that that defender does not present a threat in creating the turnover. Um, the biggest thing about Zach Wilson coming up again, this I guess this we're talking about 2020 a lot, because he had yeah. that big season in, in 2020. Yeah. And there were plays that season. Yes, he had the big plays, but there were plays that were just questionable. I have two come to my mind off the top of my head. There was um, a seven. You look at the box score, you see a seventy-yard touchdown. It's really like a sixty-five-yard uh, catch and run to the house. But you see the defense is in cover two, and Zach Wilson threw the ball to the flat with the cornerback looking straight at him. The quarterback just misses the ball, and it goes, and the, and the wide receiver runs in for a touchdown. Like you can't like that's just you not seeing the defense. I can think of another one where they executed a flea flicker. Running back gets the ball, throws it back to the quarterback. They executed it perfectly. The defense jumps. The tight end Isaac Rex ran a uh, wheel route along the left sideline, and um, might have been Dax Maline uh, ran a post to the middle of the field. They kind of ran a little wheel route uh, switch concept there. The post, there was nobody within 20 yards of him. He had just gotten lost. You could have, you could have just, you know, punted the ball to him. <laughs> right. Uh, Isaac Rex was double covered. Who did Zach Wilson throw the ball to? Isaac Rex. And Isaac Rex goes up and makes a, a catch over the coverage, goes into the end zone, touchdown. Look at the box score. Oh, he threw a 40-yard touchdown. In. But that's like great results, bad process. I think right. what we saw on Monday night was, oh, this is someone who he looks to be – now. There were a few throws in there where he looked to be um, uh, making the right read down the field and throwing it to the right place and doing it accurately. I think a lot of that stuff was also, you know, schemed up open, one read, that kind of stuff. He has a really hard time going from his first read to his second. He just loses sight of where the defense was when he turns his his head back to um, to another to, to another area in the progression. But I mean, I don't know. I, I he's going to get a lot of reps this season because the Jets don't have anybody else to turn to. I tell you what, if he can be better on first down, because that team had been either run on first down or throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage. Right. When you do that, the chess match aspect of the game between offensive defense is just gone. We can get right. you behind the chains. 
because we know we can play tight on first down. We know we can play the run on first down, and we can come up and get that wide receiver screen. Up, oh, you're in second and 12. Up, oh, you're in third and 13. Yep. Puck the ball, go to the other <laughs> yep. team. But yep. if he can be better on first down and keep them out of the chains, I mean, they'll be better. They won't be great. Yeah. They, they'll be they'll be better. So um, I, I still tend to think that he's going to have the same issues, though, to be honest. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I w- I, you know, all that being said, I do think that while it was a nice – sort of flash in the pan and and we we've known it all along that he has the arm strength and the ability to make difficult throws at the NFL level that was literally the scouting report that we provided was hey this is a kid with you know and, and that's where the the nonsense comparisons to Patrick Mahomes come from because they just like watch the physical trait of being able to throw it deep it's down not the about side. the physical traits though right. because look at CJ exactly. Stroud CJ CJ Stroud is not winning with athleticism he's not oh, winning with with so arm good. strength he's winning because he's winning with his head with his eye yes. movement with his shoulder movement he's winning because he's turning he wants this linebacker to move three inches to the right, and so he's moving, moving him three inches to the right, and then throwing a window behind him. Like yes. that's not like that's not like athleticism. That's just a guy who knows how to manipulate the defense. By the way, that's an, one that is a that is that's veteran game right there. And that's yes. a game that really ages really really well, and it's not dependent on athleticism. Like that's not that's not C.J. Stroud relying on hosing it in back there he's just manipulating defenses and boy that is a game that ages really really well when you know how to do that four games in to your rookie season so um yeah i mean if you if 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 zach wilson knew how to do that stuff if you if you took if you took five miles per hour off of zach wilson's fastball his arm talent and gave him five percent of cj stroud's like processing and manipulate manipulating ability you'd have a great quarterback yeah. To take away some of that athleticism from Zach Wilson and give him some of C.J. Stroud's mental ability, he'd be a great quarterback. But yeah, you know, no, C.J. Stroud already with you know, look, four starts, zero picks. You know that that that's just a huge, huge difference in in how you play the game. Also, you know, you might say, well, he's being conservative. Not really. You know, eight yards per attempt and sixty three percent completion percentage. It's like, uh, uh-uh. uh, you know, he's got a low sack rate. I mean, just. Everything and that offensive line isn't exactly good. So the 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 sack rate coming down too is is the other thing. It's like he uh, he he started the first two games, had eleven sacks in the first two games, zero in the last two games. You know, one of them against Pittsburgh. You know, I thought we we thought maybe hey look maybe Jacksonville's kind of a you know dog shit team and they might be defensively. Who knows, right? Probably, but Pittsburgh posed at least some pressure. Uh, threat and and they got home zero times. So this whole thing with with CJ Stroud has been outstanding. The throw to Nico Collins down the sideline, I it, it it was so good that it made it look like it was an easy throw. It is technically, but I, it's just it's 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 a, it's a it's a second level throw because he just puts it on him in a way where Nico can just run all the way for a touchdown. It's not off stride. It's perfect timing, as I always say, on target and on time. And that's what made the play a touchdown. A lot of a lot of a lot of quarterbacks might have been able to get it there. Maybe it's early, maybe it's late, maybe it's on target, maybe it isn't. The the completion is there, but maybe not the touchdown. But that throw down the sideline was just like, oh my god, it's just on a perfect line, the perfect trajectory. Uh, he's just got a really, really, and we saw that over and over again at Ohio State. And of course, it was hard to parse the difference between okay, this guy has. Garrett Wilson, JSN, and you know all these Olave, you know, just all the weapons that he has to throw to, and then say, oh well, it's just the weapons. Not really, because he was delivering 
the ball to those guys in those types of situations and making them look good. But they also, of course, made him look good, too. But, yeah, I think it's a symbiosis thing. And now we're seeing it with both Nico Collins having his career year and another player, Tank Dell, who we did talk about. We did talk about Tank Dell, and I think Tank Dell is real. And I've been I've been asking, I, you know, I don't know how much you listen to this show. I know you listen to it enough, but literally, like the last five shows of the regular season, uh, before the regular season, I was like, just asking people, look, is it possible that Tank Dell is good? I don't know. I'm just saying, is it possible? And everybody was a little bit like, no, nah, maybe, you know. I just think, you know, there was just so much there that I thought, man, this kid could be good. And I think he's, I think he's just flat out good. Uh, yes, Tank Dell is good. We knew that he was. If he was six foot one, 190 pounds, nobody would have a problem saying he's good. But we've right. seen some of these smaller wide receivers. You know, if, if John Ross never happened, I don't mm. think we would have a problem saying that, oh, yeah, Tank Dell might be good. But we've right. seen some of these smaller wide receivers come into the NFL. I mean, even go back to Tavon Austin. Yep. They don't necessarily pan out. But we've had some success here recently. Tutu Atwell. Yep. Before Tank Dell is being, you know, has been has been okay. Um, Tank Dell, I mean, he's hard to get a hold of. Like we knew that coming out of Houston. Right. Um, and by the way, people who are playing in C two C leagues, uh, Tank Dell. They you know, knew Tank Dell. That's for sure. That we knew Tank Dell yeah. because he was a wide receiver. One, he was scoring like twenty five points a game. I don't. I'm not surprised. I don't even like. I'm not even surprised at what he's doing. I'm just. I'm, I think I'm relieved. Because I'm like, man, like just because these guys are small doesn't mean that they can't play football. And we've been, I've kind of been waiting for, I thought John Ross was going to be good, to be honest with you. Yeah. I thought that he would. I thought that Tutu Atwell was going to be, was going to be good. And so I feel a little bit relieved at the fact that, okay, he could be 5'9, 5'10, 175 pounds, 170 pounds. And we, you know, he could still command draft capital. He could still command uh, uh, opportunity. And hey, if he gets both of those things, maybe he can show uh, if he can bowl. And Tank Dell has. I want to say this: you didn't let me finish on C.J. Stroud, though. Go, please. If quarterbacking is a Scantron test, do you remember those Scantron tests where you had to fill in the bubble A, yes. B, or C? C.J. Stroud. Is well, first of all, in college, you might have had unlimited time to complete the test. In the NFL, it's a time test, you might have 30 minutes. And CJ Stroud is the best at identifying those answers quickly. Mm. In 2020, on the other hand, Zach Wilson, he was picking, he didn't know the answers, right? He didn't, he didn't know the defenses, he didn't know what he was looking at. He was just picking C, 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 C. And it just so happened on that test in 2020, it had a lot of C answers, so he ended up being you know, a first round draft pick. So yeah. um, CJ Stroud is, is he's taking the Scantron test and he's finishing it in record time and he's getting the right, coming to the right answers quickly. Yes. Uh, so um, I'm, I can't believe that his top two receivers are uh, Tank Dell and Nico Collins. Yeah. And we have this 2023 draft class that's coming. That's really loaded at wide receiver. So I like to think that he can only get better. And the thing is, is if he were not playing well, you'd have the built-in excuses. Oh, the line isn't very good. Houston's been a dumpster fire this whole time. They're not good. New coaching. They don't even have good coaching. Who's their coach? What's their weapons? Like, you could just make all the excuses you want. Their best be- their best player is a fourth-round running back. Who the hell? And yet he's succeeding. So I love it. I love that he's succeeding in the face of, you know, built-in potential excuses. And it, it pleases me. I love C.J. Stroud. And, 
and uh, I'm pulling for him. He's he's one of my favorite players. I loved him in, in this draft. Everything I looked at, you know, there was really only a couple things that sort of the throwing on the move stuff was a little bit concerning. It wasn't all that good, and but those were those were nitpicks because every time he was in the pocket delivering the ball, it was very impressive. What wasn't impressive was some of the quarterback play we've seen so far. And we're going to play a little game. We're just going to do it kind of quick, um, and then we'll get to some other stuff. But I wanted to do a little panic level question for you, and I might chime in a little bit because I am, uh, you know, I've got some, 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 some players I'm very, very nervous about, and uh, you know, panic level. So one is not panicked at all. Ten is you're super fucking panicked about this player if you're holding him in dynasty or if you're the fan of their team. We're going to start. With Mr. Daniel Jones, panic level one to ten. Daniel Jones, um, probably a four. Hmm. Not too panicked. I mean, they've invested a lot in him. We knew that he didn't have the. He's another player that has all of all of the physical ability and has trouble with some of the mental parts of the game. I mean, that's why Brian Dable threw the uh, the iPad at him. Yeah. Um, so, but I just, uh, they're not going to go anywhere else. And from a dynasty, like a fantasy perspective, he does add the rushing element. Like I, I, he's a player that I think even three, four, four years down the line, first of all, I don't think the giants are getting rid of him. And if they did a year from now, two years from now, he, I, I get the impression that he would find himself in another starting position. And again, when you have, I mean, when you have the rushing ability that he does, in the super flex leagues or playing, he's gonna he's gonna have a twenty point floor just about every single week, maybe eighteen point floor every single week. And you know what? I, it's hard to ask for a whole lot more than that from a QB two. Mm. My panic level, I think, is a little bit higher. Um, you know, the only thing that makes me feel a little bit better about any of these other any of these guys is that there are the other guys. In other words, there's got to be 10 teams that are like at panic level fucking DEFCON 5. You know, I mean, we're going to talk about a few of them. Like there's some panicky ass spots. Um, and so therefore, yeah, you're right. The musical chairs, it's like Derek Carr gets a job and gets paid. And Jimmy Garoppolo gets a job and gets paid, even though nobody was like super excited about him. So, yeah, these guys tend to find their way. But one thing with with Daniel Jones for me that I feel like 2022 was a bit of an outlier season. Well, it was an outlier season when you factor in his first three years versus that year. Uh, the turnovers were way down, and he led the league really in in uh, interception rate at 1.1. But before that, he was two or more basically every single season. And this year, his interception rate is at 4.6. This just in, that's not fucking good. Uh, he was a he was a fumble machine for a while. He had a lot of sort of dumb turnovers. He had another one of those this week. Um, it, it, you know, his QBR spiked last year, uh, you know, above 60 for the first time in his career. It's down to 37 in the first four games of this season. I'm just a little nervous that the Daniel Jones we're seeing now is closer to the Daniel Jones that he is and that last year was a bit of an outlier. Now, hopefully, Dayball can coach him back up because he has more interceptions this year in four games than he had all of last year in 16 games. I don't know that he can really turn these turnovers back down 
enough, but he's going to have to. He's going to have to figure it out, and we'll see going forward. But my panic meter would be a bit higher for Daniel Jones just because that was the sort of the – the analysis or the, the 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 scout that I had on him coming out. So, you know, maybe he had turned it around, but maybe not. Uh, next up for us is Kenny Pickett. A little injury. I think he's going to be okay. I don't think there's much there. But what is your panic level on Kenny Pickett if you're a Steelers fan or if you're holding him in Dynasty? Um, I, Let me say this about all of these panic meters is that I study the college game much more in depth than the NFL game. And, and, yeah. and from a perspective of who's going to – um, become an NFL impact NFL player. So, yeah. um, you know, Kenny Pickett, he doesn't have Deontay Johnson, right? If I'm right. Rem- remembering that correctly, yep. uh, they're getting Calvin Austin involved in the game and George Pitts- Pickens. Can he separate? Can he not? Um, Kenny Pickett had never struck me until his that fifth year at Pitt, right? Um, as a, a first round NFL player, and even then, it was because Jordan Addison had the Bolitnikoff year uh, that he did with him. Um, that being said, I I just oh man, this is hard. Like panic hard. meter. First of all, like he's not a player that I would have invested heavy um, rookie draft capital in or startup capital in. He would have yeah. just fallen to where he. I would have taken him at value or less than the same. Than his value. Yeah. He's not a player that I was t- you know trading up for. So yeah, um, yeah. I'll, I'll let this, me let me let me interrupt you real quick. In, in like all of my dynasty leagues, I think I had two Kenny Pickett. Uh, shares and and I'm in 20 leagues or something so pretty low and and heading into the season there was a lot of Kenny Pickett hype and I was trying to sell so I actually am down to only one and in that one uh, sell opportunity I traded him for 24 first and Aiden O'Connell which felt great it feels fucking fantastic now because I I might you know I might like both those pieces over him not really but you know yeah, so I mean, I was looking to trade off of Kenny Pickett if I could this this off season because I felt like he was being valued at what we thought his ceiling would be. You know, in other words, we thought, oh yeah, they're going to be good. So everybody's like, yeah, he's good. It's like, well, I don't know, he might be good. He he could be good, but it looks like he may not be good. Is kind of the point. Yeah, I just I don't think that we know yet. So like when I think of panic meter, I think of. All right, I need to get off of this player as soon as possible. Um, you know, I, I think of uh, you know in the college context, I see Travion Henderson. He doesn't run really hard for a two hundred and fifteen pound player. I oh. might be ready to get off. I might be ready to get off of him. So, yeah. like when I look at what Kenny Pickett is doing again, and like there are these, there are thirty two jobs. Is he skilled enough to have one of the thirty two jobs in the probably, NFL? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is yeah. he going to play? Is he going to play better as the season rolls on? I, I mean, I would hope so. Am I trying to get rid of him? It depends on what I could get for him. I probably right. couldn't get anything for him. So when you think about panic, I'm probably just – I'm sorry, but I think it's a three or four because yeah. at the price that I paid for him, I'm not going to unload him for less than that. Yeah. I'm just going to wait and see. I'm going to play the wait and see game. With well, him. let me give you an easy one. Desmond Ritter. <laughs> Desmond Ritter is trash. That, that's like – I mean, panic, I mean, that's 10. That's 10. And the worst thing is, is is thinking that you have a quarterback and you don't. And I tweeted that right. about Desmond Ritter earlier. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a ten because he is he was never good. Yeah, he's the type of player. So you know, it's a it's a problem for scouts when you see yeah. the six foot four, two hundred and thirty pound guy. And if you had to pick a player without, if you were just playing pickup basketball. And you had to pick guys based on what they looked like as opposed yeah. to their skill level. Especially in that uniform Desmond with the shield of the, the visor. 
Oh, he looks shit. cold. He looks cold out there. Oh, oh he can run too. You yeah. would pick Desmond Ritter, but he's never been a player that I thought could, you know, maximize um, a, a, an offense there with you know Drake London and Kyle Pitts. So I mean, yeah. it's it's ten. But you know what? They, they, there are two or three quarterbacks that can make that system work. Uh, yeah. in next year's draft class, but it's a, I mean, it's an absolute ten for Desmond Ritter. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, he he looked cold as you put it in that in that Cincinnati uniform when they had all blacks and he'd have the visor and whoo, you're like, he, boy, got some wristbands here and there. He he got he looked good. He looked real good. And then you turn on the film and you're like, yeah, he's an average quarterback with 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 what I understand is like great moxie. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like he wins in all these different ways, except he's just not an NFL caliber thrower of the football. That's all. So therefore, you're having a lot of troubles. And that, there it is. Uh, I'm going to do one more before I get to my final one. How about how about Justin Fields? Zero. Oh, zero is on the panic meter because. Just, let's go back to the Scantron example. Yeah. Let's go back to the Scantron example. Justin Fields is looking at his question and his answers, that A, B, and C, and there are no right answers. You've got wide receivers running into the same area. He doesn't have really – what's the strength of that team? Outside, you know, Do they have a – look at how the know. Pittsburgh Steelers developed uh, Ben Roethlisberger. They had a strong running game, and he eventually developed to a guy that you can throw the ball 40, 50 times. Look at how the look at look at look, uh, we, we're like Tom Brady, Brady. with Tom Brady, the Seahawks with Russell Wilson. Look at how the Buffalo Bills we're we're like just two and a half years away away from jo- from Josh Allen throwing yep. to a fullback fifty yards down the field in double coverage. Right. What did they do for him? They said, okay, he deals with accuracy and decision making issues. Right. Well, let's get him Cole Beasley in the slot so he can see somebody getting open quickly. Oh, uh, he he has a problem uh, with accuracy. Let's get him a wide receiver that creates the most space wide in the NFL. The right. Hey, yeah. by the way, uh, let's get his completion percentage up by getting him the best pass catching running back uh, uh, out of the backfield in the draft class in the form of James Cook. Like, there's a clear. There was a clear plan for developing some of the let's, – let's go to Cam Newton. Cam Newton, another player who dealt with accuracy issues. So they got these big six-foot-four guys, Devin Funches and Greg Olson, and um, there's an uh, Calvin, Calvin, Benjamin. Benja- Calvin Benjamin to go with Steve Smith. When you look at what the Ravens are doing with, with Lamar Jackson, everything's based on speed. Everything's and, and, based and on that speed. Carolina Panther offense. team was with two – the double uh, backfield, and they ran the shit out of the yeah, ball. Yeah, I forgot it. Big, yeah, with the – Strong offensive with, Jonathan Stewart and uh, D'Angelo Williams. And D'Angelo like, Williams, yeah. Yeah, man, they were, they were, that was a tough team. So he didn't have to throw too much. He Didn't he have like almost like 20 rushing touchdowns? Like they played oh, yeah. to his strength, of course. They that played the to thing. his strengths. Yeah, the, the, I appreciate this, 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 this take because – I don't know. I've, I've, I've been saying over and over again that I felt like Justin Fields was a great prospect, like a really great prospect, but that when you watch these games, I can't, I can't say that, oh, he's playing great. It's just the coaching. I'm saying I know the coaching sucks, and I don't exactly know how good Justin Fields is because the scheme is so bad and so unbefitting of his talents that it's actually – it maddening. It really. I've been saying this. this is a maddening situation to watch when you talk about two guys running in the same spot. Like literally, they've done this over and over again. And I asked, "You're if you're a former player, you'll appreciate this." I was basically like, "Okay, if you say that there's two guys running in the same spot, the exact same route, literally side by side, so that they end up 
kind of like looking at each other like, hey, what the fuck are you doing here? Right? At the end of the route, that can't be the play call. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that that can't be the play call. So if it's the play call, then whomever call, whomever's calling those plays is fired immediately because you can't call that can't be it. So then it's like, is there some other mistake? Felix, I asked you, what possibly could that be? I'm not sure that it's not the play call because oh. if it was, like you would see the body language after the play, like what they would be pointing to each other and stuff like that. Yeah. In football, I mean, for those who haven't oh. played, like it's very there, there are what's called landmarks that you have to use to like uh, you know. Outside the numbers, the hash, yeah. three yards, three yards minus the hash, et cetera, et cetera. You know, seven yards to the post. Like there are landmarks that you're supposed to use. Be, be, well, that helps with spacing. Right. And it's and, and you know, for an offense that's very particular, I I would bet. I mean, I play defense, and I know that. There, but I bet it would even go overboard as to where the landmarks are. And so when I watch the Bears play, and this has happened like over three weeks, the first three weeks, it would be multiple times somebody running into the same space. And they're not they don't look to be blaming each other for being in the in the same space. So I don't know that that is not how the play is designed. And that's why I say when Justin Fields is taking his test, he's looking at the answers and there are no there's not it's like two plus two equals six, seven, or eight. You know, it's like, well, I mean, that's not well, what answer do I pick when those are the choices? I guess I'll pick an um, even number, one of them fucking right. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I don't yeah. really have this is a guy who you know, even we don't know anything about these players, but we have watched Justin Fields for a very long time. He was yes. on the QB on the QB one um, yeah. show on Netflix when he was a senior or junior in high school. And he came across as very poised, someone who didn't buy into his own hype and who right. worked really hard. He went to Georgia, then he transferred to Ohio State and became a captain of the team in his first year at Ohio State. And you watch like social media and their um, Instagram and the team seems to gravitate around this guy. Oh, let's throw this out there too. The 2020 season would not have happened without right. Justin Fields who led that let us play campaign going yep. on television and stuff like that. So true. I, I think from a, like a human being, like character perspective, Justin Fields has it between here, between the eyes. I know that he has all the physical ability, Yeah, but, I don't know that he I don't know that that team, that organization has a clearly defined plan for his development. Even like, you know, I'm looking at I, I doubted the Lions when they went and got Jared Goff. But right. I realized, oh, this is a guy who's great from a pocket when he's kept clean. The Detroit Lions have invested all of these first round picks in their offensive line. They're going to be able to keep him clean. He's probably going to succeed under that circumstance. Like what it. What are the Chicago? What is the Chicago Bears' clearly defined plan for Justin Fields? Is they it don't trading? Have one. They don't, they don't have, have one. They don't have one at all, and it's depressing. And we're going to move on because nobody wants to hear me talk about this. But I think actionable advice is: if you can buy low on Justin Fields, I think it's probably okay to do so. I mean, the thing that gets me nervous is that they're so. I guess at the end of the day, they're so bad that yeah, he could lose his job. He could get moved and traded, and that's not awesome. But I do think that if anybody, if another team were to take him on, I do believe that they would have a plan or at least somewhat of a better plan than what is happening in Chicago and therefore could have a resurrection. I just, I'm so nervous that he, that they're not going to give up on him and that they're going to continue to do whatever the fuck it is that they think they're doing. It's really, really ugly. 
Speaking, can I let me? So yeah, I just listen. So from the quarterback position, like we forget recent history. Yes. How did we feel about Josh Allen three yep. years? Three years ago, how did we feel about Lamar Jackson when he couldn't complete a pass in that playoff game? How did yeah. we feel about Tua Tonga Vialoa last year? Like yep. these things can change, you know, really, yeah. really quickly. Yeah, you're right on the money, man. This is right. Good take. Um, <laughs> well, then maybe, maybe there's hope, but I don't think so for my New England Patriots and Mac Jones. Um, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and give your uh, panic meter on Mac Jones, and then I will. Uh, give my polite response. Uh, seven or eight. And it's not just Mac Jones. It's uh, like, I mean, to be honest, Bill Belichick has never been great outside of Tom Brady throwing the ball, like just being the dude, yeah. you know? So like th- that's a team that, you know, is drafting Chad Jackson and oh. Nikhil Harry. Fucking love and, Chad Jackson. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I can uh, – they, they've never been great at developing skill positions. I just – and they had – wasn't Matt Patricia their offensive coordinator last year? I mean, don't, come Don't, don't on. bring him. Come yeah. on. So it's not – it's not Matt Jones' fault. Like my – Bill Belichick, yeah. outside of Tom, the Tom Brady years, when he's had to operate on his own – now, he did have that year with Matt Castle. They did mm, fine. Yeah. But man, they've been really, really bad. Like they've been just, bad. They've been bad. So here's my here's my. It's time. It's time. I'm just letting you know it's time. Blow it all up. Give it all in. It's not happening. This Mac Jones thing. I don't. I don't know if he's good or bad, but I don't really give a shit. It's time. It's time to blow it all up. It's time to to let Bill retire at the end of the year or or move on. It's time to move on. And I'm telling you, all they have to do bring me in. I'll be the the. Uh, I, I don't want to be a GM. I don't want to run the whole thing. But I'm just going to tell you what the fuck we're doing. We're letting Bill go. It's happening. It's done. Move on from all the, you know, he's got all his kids in there and shit. There's just this nepotism and there's, it's just, it's, it's just too old and it's not working anymore. It's not going to work. It's never, he's too, he's, it's past his prime. And you look at some of the other teams and where they're successful, you know, Sean McVay, you know, Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan, right? All the, the these really sort of um, forward-thinking, you know, uh, play callers in the in the NFL, and you know, even and and what I would do is I would back up the Brinks truck. I would tank for Caleb, and then go get your boy, Ben Johnson. I give him it all because I don't know if he's the guy, but I do know that you need one of the guys. You need one of the 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 the, the play callers who can go out there and and be. You know, creative. You will keep your stinky hands off of my offensive coordinator. Don't you come? Don't I'm you come near him. my offensive coordinator? Bro, this is what Leave I'm talking. My, about. Listen, I have never experienced this before. You have to understand. I've been a Lions fan since I could. Re- I, mean, li- I mean, when I say literally since I could remember, I'm talking about literally since I could remember. I can remember being five and six years old, crying because interceptions that Scott Mitchell threw against the Bengals. Yeah. Okay, you, um, so. No, keep your stinky hands off of my it, damn team. It would I've take never balls, experienced this. It would take before. balls to do something like this to just move on. But if you know it's the right thing to do when I say it, and the person who's got him on his team is like, "Don't fucking you dare!" This is what it takes. It takes an opportunity like this. This is, I mean, if Bill don't want to tank, I don't really give a shit. I fire him right now. I mean, I know it sounds sacrilegious and crazy, but you. You, this needs to bottom out here. We just lost lost Matthew Judon and Christian Gonzalez. I mean. 
this is over. This season's done. This is not a successful season. You're not going to turn this around. Um, it's all done. You bring in Ben Johnson, whoever the fuck he thinks is a good, uh, uh, you know, uh, good coaching staff around him, and and that's it, man. And you go Caleb and move on. This is it. I mean, obviously, it's not so simple just to get Caleb, but I'm saying it's just time for the bottom to fall out and move on. And and it's so sad to say it, but that's just the truth of Patriots fans. So I said it. I know they're going to end up going like seven and ten or some shit, and be like, see, they came back. This is this. I don't give a shit. This is just depressing to watch this nonsense. I mean, I would I would be depressed with you also, but okay. uh, I just uh, want to get it off my chest. Yeah, yeah. I just want to get it off my chest. So thank you. Uh, and our me and you, our Detroit Lions are just fucking awesome. I love them. Um, okay, now what the what the what people have waited for is we're gonna get to the twenty twenty four class. We're gonna ask you some questions, and we're gonna get some answers right after this. First of all, in the rearview mirror, we look at this 2023 class and all the hype and then all the people jumping ship. Look, I think it was because of the running backs. Everybody was like, you know, we we, we wanted Jameer Gibbs and B. John Robinson, Tank Bigsby, Sean Tucker. Uh, there was a couple others that I'm forgetting that were, oh, uh, Charbonnet wasn't even part of that. But all these guys that were like supposed to be part of this class that was going to make the class so good. And then, then the running backs kind of like, didn't land right, and we're all like, nah, maybe this isn't so good, and the running backs. But you know what? It was Apparently it was never the running backs. The tight ends, the quarterbacks, the fucking wide receivers in this class. I mean, JSN's done nothing, and the wideouts are amazing. Michael Wilson, Puka Nakua, Tank Dell, the deep wide receivers hit. Um, this has just been a, a, a really good class and some really high-level talent. I mean, if you just take Puka, A-Chain, and Laporta, it's been unbelievable. I mean, those are three huge hits. So, a little bit of a little bit of revisionist history, but no doubt that that class may have may have lived up to its billing, just not in the ways we thought, eh? I mean, we knew so we we did like the running backs in this class. Yeah. Did it, did that include like Tank Bigsby in our analysis? Yes, it did. But there were still Jameer Gibbs and Bijan Robinson uh, that we were that we were excited about. Did I realize that Zay Flowers was going to be the guy that he was at Boston College? That that would turn him into a first round draft pick? No. But Sam Laporta, we knew about Michael Mayer. Obviously, was a part of that analysis. Um, uh, the Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Uh, and Anthony Richardson, quite frankly, were yeah. why the the Debbie and college fantasy or community were like, yeah, go ahead and get your 2023 draft picks. It's going to be uh, something close to that 2020 class with Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I think that that has I, – I was looking for this tweet from your boy, your boy 101 Talk, mm-hmm. who was poo-pooing the 2023 class, you know, right before the draft. And I can't find it right now. But Nick Nick knows what I'm talking about, and I'm going to go find that tweet. Yeah. Yeah. L- let's dunk on Chalk. Fuck him. He wins every damn league he's in, so he can he can eat it a little bit. Um, th- th- this this class upcoming, obviously, it's like the – I love my boy Thor Nystrom, implosion for the Trojan. Uh, I love that one. Uh, so, you know, Caleb Williams is the prize, and I don't think there's really any doubt about that. I mean, is it Caleb Williams, then everything else in this class? I think it's it's Caleb Williams and then uh, Marvin Harrison, obviously, and and uh, yeah, and stuck at number two is Marvin Harrison Jr. Those are probably the prizes of the class. But then you look at the wide receiver class, whether it be 
um, uh, Malik Neighbors at LSU or Roma Dunze at Washington, um, the wide receiver class seems to be pretty pretty deep. Like you're going to have guys taken in the second, third, fourth round that will end up being fantasy players for you. So um, I don't know that there's the running back in this class to get really excited about. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't think that there's a first round running back. Right. Um, but no, this is another quality class with a lot of depth. The, well, let's let's stick with with the quarterback just for a moment so that I don't get confused because I'm you know I'm trying to get here with you. So if I'm trying to figure out this quarterback class, it feels like Drake May is like the the consolation prize. And my question about Drake May is, you know, it's like is he just happens to be the second man up? And so, therefore, he's getting put in that spot and he's not that good? Or is it like if Caleb didn't exist, this is a guy who could really be the 101 in another draft class? No, he could absolutely be the 101 in another draft class. And the thing that's interesting about Drake May is um, uh, last year, who do you think had more rushing yards? Was it Drake May or Caleb Williams? I think people would assume that it was Caleb Williams, but no, it was Drake May. Drake May had like 700, Mm. and Caleb Williams may have been like four or 500 or something like that. Drake May is an excellent, excellent athlete. Um, with you know the ability, he uh, he probably is is a little bit his arm talent is um above average, better than Bryce Bryce Young's, but he's a better dual threat than than Bryce Young is. So, um, I, you can another player that you can open up the playbook with. I, I wish that he would have had uh, Devontae Walker with his with his team this year because that you really would have seen how dynamic he could be. He's still been good even without his yeah. number one wide receiver. But no, this is not a player like who are the who are the twenty twenty uh, the twenty twenty three quarterbacks? It would have been CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and the third quarterback was with Anthony Richardson. I still you would probably take both Stroud and Young before before. Uh, uh, Drake May, Drake May but, yeah. but Drake May would have been right there with Anthony Richardson to be the third quarterback uh, in that 2023 class. That's, that's just me. So I think after that, there, you know, there are some questions um, in this class in terms of like, is there, is there a third quarterback, or at least I'm asking the question, is there a third quarterback or are there a group of quarterbacks that, hey, I'm not exactly sure which guy comes up. I mean, here's the thing. Sanders out of Colorado is like a, a wild card now. And I got to ask about him next just because the way I look at it is like, is that, what is that? What are we, what are we witnessing there with Shadur Sanders? Um, so Shadur Sanders has been a very good college quarterback, but I, I don't know that his offense asks him to solve NFL problems. There's a lot of dink and dunk to his game. Now you got to be accurate when you're throwing, you know, short intermediate routes and he's been that, but yeah. you know, uh, Twitter just gushed when Anthony Richardson threw that 30, 40 yard seam route to, uh, to Josh Downs uh, th- this, this past week. You, yeah. Shador Sanders offense doesn't ask him to do that. Sure. Uh, it doesn't ask him to do that. He is not a good athlete, you know, as far as you would think with his dad being Deion Sanders, one of the best athletes in sports that we'd ever, ever seen. But right. people need to realize that Shador Sanders is a, you must keep him clean. He is not someone who's going to avoid pressure, you know, run for a lot of yards. He's definitely a pocket passer. Yeah. I don't think that he's in the, his dad has already said that he's coming back next year anyway, too. So, oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's going to be a 2025 NFL draft prospect. As far as the quarterback threes goes in this class, it's going to be – I'm 
I'm like fairly confident that it's going to be Michael Penix Jr. The other candidate there is um, Michael Pratt from Tulane, a G5 quarterback. As a matter of fact, we sometimes call him G5 Will Levis. And um, there, there is – so Quinn Ewers out of Texas has one of the highest – or the highest recruiting pedigree ever. I don't know that his play has lived up to that billing. But he's another candidate that you'd have to throw in there. I, I really don't think that he's going to declare for the NFL draft. So if I had to make a bet, like Will Levis not going in the first round right now, I would say that Michael Penix Jr. is going to be the quarterback three. Not crazy. What about Bo Nix? I mean, Bo Nix was the butt of the joke back in the day, and now he's like, you know, the, the man. Like, what happened to Bo Nix? How did he turn this all the way, all the way around? Uh, I mean, you can turn it around the same way Kenny Pickett turned it around his last year at, at Pitt, you know, just understanding you, you think that's the game, what it is, but still making boneheaded plays. And Kenny yeah. Dillingham, who was with him at Auburn and then with him at Oregon State, has been kind of, you know, one of these young up-and-coming offensive play callers. Um, I, I don't know that Bo Nix from either a talent perspective or decision-making perspective is a quarterback that you're going to have on your on your dynasty rosters and starting. Um, right. I just I just don't I don't I don't particularly see it that way. But somebody can disagree with me and tell me sure. and tell me that I'm wrong. But I just don't I don't see it that way. No, I appreciate it. that's why I asked the question. I mean, is there is there anybody else? I mean, I'm looking at just I'll just give you a bunch of names of guys that exist. These are real people I've heard of or I haven't heard of, okay? But I'm going to give you this, some names. Kyle McCord out of Ohio State, K.J. Jefferson out of Arkansas, Jordan Travis out of Florida State, Riley Leonard from Duke. I, dude, I love Cam Rising. I don't think he's an NFL player, but Cam Rising out of Utah, Carson Beck out of Georgia. Any of these guys move the needle for you? I So, Car- it's funny. Like, I always end, ending up, I always end up liking the same style of players – um, and players who are aggressive downfield passers, I gravitate towards. Carson Beck is that, but he's only had one year as a starter, and he has additional eligibility left. I think that he could really boost his stock by coming. As a matter of fact, Carson Beck is like quarterback nine in my rankings, or something like that. And I'm okay. out on an island. I'm I'm on an island as far as Camp Can goes, as far as ranking uh, Carson Beck. But he is a pure drop back passer. Very. You know, the back shoulder throws, the over-the-seam throws, throwing it up so a tight end can go get it. He's very comfortable making uh, those types of throws. But I, I think that it's hard. If you don't have like a Dwayne Haskins-level, Heisman Trophy-level season, I think it's hard to start for one year and then command first-round NFL draft capital. Yeah, You really no. need to see that two years in a row. And so I just don't think that Carson Beck is going to declare – uh, for the draft this year. But I do think that he's a first-round NFL tra- talent, and I'm definitely on an island on that. But I think it's going to be 2025 when we see it. I was going to say, right, so some of these guys who have 2024 eligibility have 2025 eligibility. And if they're – look, I would imagine if you're not going to pick me in the in the you know, in the the you know first couple of rounds, why wouldn't I just go try and see if I can be Kenny Pickett, right? I mean, even Joe Burrow. I mean, you know, look, Joe Burrow made a lot of money in one year and – well, maybe that's another guy we should have asked the panic meter on. But, um, you know, yeah, so if, if you were to say so, you think there's probably, you know, it's a two-man race and then Penix and then everybody else. Is that kind of where you're at with the quarterback class? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it would, it would be Michael Pratt, who's, you know, a, a gamer, 
somebody who nearly upset Oklahoma at Oklahoma in 2021 when Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler were, were there, who did in fact upset USC uh, last year, the Caleb Williams USC game, uh, the U- USC game, the, the bowl game. So yeah. uh, I think Michael Pratt's going to be there for quarterback four. But when you're talking about quarterback four, I think we're talking about this year. We see three quarterbacks go in the first round, then we might not see another one go in, in round two, and then maybe round three somebody takes a chance. So yeah. I think that that's where we'll see the third quarterback the third quarterback taken like, uh, but all the guys that that you named like i'm like mm, i don't i don't really think any yeah. of those guys are commanding high draft cap like joe milton's a guy with a with a skill set but he's not an nfl prospect is he he's not going to be drafted right i, I yeah. he's not going to be drafted he's a right. UDFA. right that's what i thought yeah oh what about jackson dart is he any good so Jackson Dart, a USC transfer to Ole Miss, he's yeah. when you look at the box score, he's been playing really well this year. I just have not watched him this season to see, okay, how has he improved? Like, is this a gimmick? So he, yeah, he's definitely a candidate based on what he looks like from a production standpoint. But I right. don't know. I, I, I'll just be honest. Like, I have not watched him this year to yeah. see if he's come along to show some of those NFL traits. So, but he is one, yes, that is one that you got to keep an eye on. I think so too, because like, you know, he put together uh, obviously a, a really fucking impressive game against LSU. Um, you know, that, that LSU game with the game winner and the whole thing, really, really cool. He also has shown some, some rushing talent, um, you know, in, in three of the games he's had over, you know, nine yards per, uh, excuse me, uh, seven yards per carry, you know, and he scored four rushing touchdowns. I mean, he what did he have last year? I'm gonna look it up here real quick. He he was um he's been basically five yards a carry for the last two years. He had six hundred yards rushing uh last year, you know, sophomore this year, you know, uh almost three hundred already in just five games, you know, four touchdowns. Yeah, not bad. So I mean a little bit of that escapability. He he seems to be a guy who likes to push the ball down the field by the numbers. He's eleven uh, excuse me, 10.5 yards per attempt so far uh, this year with a 64% completion percentage, 11 touchdowns, two picks. So, you know, the, the numbers look good. He's playing in the SEC. You could do a lot worse. Um, you know, he he kind of looks as cool as, um, as uh, you know, <laughs> Desmond Ritter. So. Yeah, no, he yeah. sound, well, he does. Yes, he is. A, so Jackson Dart is definitely one of those players. He looks like he's he designed he's himself on Madden. He's got the yeah. yeah, and he's got the name. He wears the sleeves. He wears the visor. He's a cool looking quarterback. But I mean, yeah, yeah. he sounds like he sounds like Matt Corral uh, if you yeah. look at it. And that's those are the types of that Lane Kiffin offense. It's aggressive. Your quarterback's going to run, et cetera. We we kind of yeah. thought that Jackson Dart had the um, ability to do that last year when he transferred to to Ole Miss, and he didn't. So um, I mean, those I'm I'm loving the numbers that I'm hearing. I just got to go. I want to be able to go watch him and Dang say, it. okay. Like I can tell you what Michael Penix Jr. will hang his hat on at the NFL level. I can kind of tell you that about Michael Pratt, too, out of Tulane. But right. I have kind of written Jackson Dart off uh, after last season. But I know that he's played well, so I need to look at him, look at him again. I'm going to save the wide receivers for last because it's going to be most fun, I think. But um, we're going to go to tight end real quick. There's obviously a, the, the, the crown jewel, and crown jewels always work out, right? Especially at the tight end position. Kyle Pitts, OJ Howard. Uh, so Eric, Eric Ebron, Brandon Eric, Pettigrew, um, <laughs> Jermaine Gresham. Work, they uh, always listen. work out. Yeah. Michael Mayer. Fuck you. Listen, Brock Bowers, 
can't miss. Just take him at the look. I will probably have zero Brock Bowers, and I'm not. I don't. I don't even know. I don't know anything. But I'm just saying he's going to get steamed up. He's going to be like a. He's going to. There's going to be drafts where he's going in the top three or four. I'm telling you already, it's going to be ridiculous. Is he worth that, Mister Felix Sharp? In the top three or four, a tight of end? rookie draft, sir. I don't NFL think draft. so. No, yeah. there are going to probably going to be a number of wide receivers that I take before. It's just a positional thing. Bingo, you know? yeah. I mean, even if he, if even if Brock, if Brock Bowers had six hundred yards receiving in four touchdowns, you know, the next three or four years, that would be like pretty decent. Pretty decent uh, tight tight end statistics. I just I, I that position is so reliant on the offense around you. I I just I would not be able to invest in that capital at three yeah. or four. Like he is going to. I would feel comfortable at the end of the first round. But no, I'm not. I'm not going Drake May, Marvin Harrison Jr. Caleb Williams, and then Brock Bowers. Absolutely not. Now, do I think that he's a safe prospect because he's going to have all of the athleticism, you know? And and I, I saw the. I, I wish I could credit it to somebody, but somebody compared him to Cooper Cup last year, yeah. or, or, or on Twitter. I mean, but one of the. I mean, if Cooper Cup played for the Baltimore Ravens, would be we would we be so excited about Cooper Cup? I mean, some right. of his value comes from the fact that he's Sean McVay's slot wide receiver, and I think some yes. of the value for somebody like. Kyle Pitts or Brock Bowers is going to come from, okay, do they have an offensive play caller that's going to use them or, or are they going to get drafted by, by Arthur Smith? So um, yeah, I do, I do like the prospect, but I mean that, that position, that tight end position, it's, it's, it's volatile and you got to be in the right situation. I do agree about this Brock Bowers situation being situational. I've said that about tight ends over and over again, Felix. So the question I have to Felix is like, you know, he's listed on um, whatever it is, pro football reference, the college version at like 6'4", 230. He's listed at 6'4", 240 in the program here, whatever I'm looking at. You know, is he going to be a little too light to be an every down player? Is he a little bit too much Dalton Kincaid? And he's going to definitely need the right situation. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe that's a little bit premature. I don't know. I don't know if you're asking, like, are we going to line him up in line and on third and one run, run behind him? Right. No, but we don't. That's not what we want from our from our fantasy tight ends anyway. We want them to be used in the passing game. We want them, you know, Evan Ingram ish, maybe be lined up uh, detached from the line of scrimmage and be a big sure. slot wide receiver. Yeah, he can he can do all that. That is why landing spot is so critical because if you have like I think of a. Uh, Scott Linehan with my, my the old offensive coordinator. Well, he's the head coach, too, for the Rams and offensive coordinator from our Detroit Lions. He ran a lot of two tight end sets. Brandon Pettigrew and Tony Scheffler would be lined up in line, and they would run a lot of stuff out of that. I, I just I, – I, it depends on how he's going to be used, and that's totally, yeah. that's totally in the hands of whatever team, whatever team drafts him. So I mean, he has he's going to test well. He's going to be a 99th percentile athlete. He's going to be light. You know, yeah. But if he lands with the Kansas City Chiefs or the Detroit Lions or the Rams, you know, a team like that, you're going to feel fine about it. If he lands with, um, you know, some other team that you're you're not gonna, you're not gonna you're not gonna like it. So, um, it's it's so it like sounds said, like I'm gonna have it, totally it sounds like I'm gonna have a lot of this Jatavian Sanders is what I'm gonna have. 
I mean, if you're if you're talking about a yes, he's a good player. Also, a guy who came in as an athlete could have played defensive tackle, defensive end, and then played uh, uh, mm. uh, tight end. I think that he is going to be like a third round third round pick. I don't think Jatavian Sanders is going to test the best. He's a um, interesting. You know, he's a he's a what's the word I'm looking? He's a fluffy athlete, fluffy, mm. fluffy. You know, mm. Mm. Um, so I think. I think that yeah, I, he he might be a value, but he's somebody you're probably you're you're probably not taking until the the third round or so at the tight end. He's not somebody like I, I, Michael. I think Michael Mayer was a better prospect. Okay, so mm-hmm. the so then you know, I, I is there anybody else in this in this tight end room in the in the tight end? I mean, because you know, a lot of times we don't even know. Do you, do you think there's any? I mean, there's going to be someone who sort of steps forward but is there anybody worth talking about on this program today luke lachey would have been there but he uh iowa tied in but he i was gonna say let me guess where he goes to school iowa (laughs) yeah he goes to iowa he went down with an injury so he's out for the season so you know he's not going to declare for the nfl draft um Ah, let's see. Colson Loveland, he's a sophomore, so he's not even draft eligible. Uh, I guess the answer is no. Like, I'm going to try to bring – I'm trying to filibuster here so I can bring up my no, rankings. It can be it. no, man. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I look, I'm look. i looking at some of the names. I don't really know, you know. Um, but, um, yeah, I, yeah, okay. So, Brock Bowers or Bust. Hold on. Let me let me give you – Let me get, so I'm looking at my rankings now. So, okay. uh, J- Jaheim Bell out of Florida State is a – is reminds me of uh who was the Pittsburgh Steelers tight end slash running back from North Carolina State Jalen um, Sam- uh, Jalen Samuel Jalen Samuels so Jaheim Bell is the next Jalen Samuels he actually does some running back stuff he did it both at South Carolina and now at Florida State I think that that versatility makes him interesting probably a day three draft pick mm-hmm. um, and, and again you know if if, he, if he's a tight end and he's getting running back snaps might be right. a cheat code so I like him I like Eric All who's the transfer from Michigan. He's also at Iowa, more of a well-rounded player. He's fine. And then Ben Urasek out of Stanford. I don't know that he's enough to get me really, you know, juiced up or excited, but he did have like a 200 yard game in the opening week against uh, Hawaii. So he's there also, but none of these guys, you know, stand, stand out as you really got to you got to prioritize them and go and go get them, including Jatavian Sanders, which I think you know he has a good chance to be the second tight end taken. But I don't I don't see him as a like a dynamic player that you you got to prioritize. Yeah. All right, let's get off these tight ends. They depress me anyway. I'm not in. I, I, I'm out. Let, let, I'll take the. I'll just take. Uh, you know, I'll trade the Brock Bowers pick for you know Sam Laporte or something when someone's stupid enough to do that. Um, all right. Let's go to running backs. The, the running back class, you know, is a little bit uh, depressed because of, as you pointed out a little earlier in the in the program, Travion Henderson, who is the you know the the, the prize of the of, of the ball here, is fading a little bit. And then there's nobody else that's like, you know, that elite level, you know, one point oh one in in a one quarterback league, just stand out. Jonathan right. Taylor, Saquon Barkley. There's none of that in this class as far as I can see. Is that, is that basically how this class is uh, shaping out? Yes. It's shaping out to have a lot of guys who are probably round two, round three, round four guys. And, you know, are probably 
parts of committees and not necessarily bell cow backs. There are some guys who have, you know, the chance to be bell. So Raheem Sanders, who was a converted wide receiver, you know, six foot two, 240 pounds, tall and big running back. He had been out the first couple of games of the season, um, uh, with an injury, he's finally back. I, I, I still think that he has a chance to be an early day two uh, draft pick, and he has a chance. You know, wide receiver background has a chance right. to be a bell cow back. Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin. I think that a lot of people are going to comp him to AJ Dillon. Mm. Um, you know, he has a, a chance to get the draft capital and be a part of a committee. But there's no, no, there's no, there's no Jonathan Taylor. There's definitely, definitely no Saquon Barkley, no Nick Chubb in this class. And but there, I mean, there's some depth. I mean, there's some depth names. I mean, if you go to Will Shipley, Will Shipley at Clemson, yeah. a smaller back who was comp to uh, Christian McCaffrey coming out of school. He was a guy who tested really, really well. Not really well. He tested. He was like an elite athlete. An right. elite athlete at the position. He has a chance also. Well-rounded skill set. He can catch the ball, even though he wasn't. He hasn't been really been used that way uh, at Clemson. He has a chance to to pop as a you know a potential RB one, RB two. But there's no there's no but like if you held a gun to my head and say who's the who's who's going to be the RB one or who who has the chance to be a top ten running back in this class, a top ten fantasy running back in this class. There's nobody that I would feel super, super confident about like B. John Robinson or Jameer Gibbs last year. Like there's no rookie that's going to go into this class and you say automatically, all right, they're a top 12 dynasty rookie uh, running back. I don't think that that player exists in this class. So is it possible then that it is (sighs) Travion Henderson? Like, is it possible that we just come all the way full circle and like, like what's going on with him? I mean, did he get hurt last year? Cause it looks like he only played like, yeah. yeah. So he was hurt all last year, basically. I mean, what was his injury? Like, what's going on with Travion Henderson? Like, is it possible that he's just awesome and he's just having – like, what is going on? Because this kid, as a, as a true freshman, I mean, he, he put up 1248 on the ground. He had 27 catches for 11 yards a catch, 20 total touchdowns. I mean, the kid was unbelievable, Fifteen over 1,500 all-purpose yards – over seven and a half yards a touch. This kid was sick, right? Almost seven yards a carry. I mean, he's back up to that now in terms of per carry, but like, I don't know. The usage doesn't seem to be there. What is going on with this kid as far as you can tell? Um, so that 2020 season when he, when he was a freshman, I think that there was a 2021. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The thing about um, uh, Travion Henderson is that he's going to defeat angles. If you give him an open hole, like he's great in the, like he's a, a speed back. He's a speed back, so if your linebackers and safeties don't take the right angles and there's a gap there, he is going to to beat them. So I think, one, I think some of those holes have not been there for him this year. He has split time with tougher interior mm. runners in Mayan Williams and yeah, – uh, I love Mayan. Yeah. And, uh, shoot, the guy from Arizona State who transferred. He was playing linebacker. Uh, I'll remember his name here in a second, but he's he's split time with some with – some some tougher interior runners. Demonte so Demonte Trainum. Yes, Demonte Trainum. Chip, <laughs> Chip, Chip. He goes by Chip. Chip Trainum. Way who, easier. Who, yeah, yeah, way easier. Who played? Who played really well as a freshman at uh at Arizona State? The splitting time with Rashad White, by the way. That's who Rashad White split time with as uh, when, yeah, yeah. when he was a freshman. Chip so yeah, Trip Trainum. So um, so yeah, I, I think the coaches have been okay with not giving him as much volume because I got Mayan Williams and they got chip training him and he's not been used 
in the passing game like he should be. Like you, you read, read off his his pass catching statistics. That was one of the more intriguing things about his profile is that this is a guy who's going to be dynamic in open space, and they haven't really been trying to get him out in open space. He's not a player who's been lining up at like wide receiver or running wheel routes or anything like that. When you would think he should, they just haven't been using him that 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 way. So to to answer your question, is it Travion Henderson to be the RB one? I mean, he's a candidate right there with Braylon Allen, uh, Raheem Sanders, and uh, and oh, and himself, and himself, those, yeah, three. those three. But the way yeah. I have it ranked right now, but in the twenty twenty four class, is Raheem Sanders number one, Braylon Allen number two, and then I have I actually have Will Shipley number three in that class, and uh, and then Travion Henderson number four. Mm. Mm. I, 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 I might be circling the wagons with Travion. I mean, it's just it's hard to see that type of freshman production and ignore it uh, at a big school. Um, yeah, he's, he's split in time, but he's so much more effective than those other two backs. I just looked at the numbers. I mean, he is on a per-touch basis just absolutely still doing it. Um, so, yeah, I guess they're lessening his load and – and whatever he is this in. year, he was not more last efficient year. than they were last year. That's yeah, right. So. Yeah. No, that's right. That's exactly right. So maybe something happened last year. I don't know. Uh, after that, you know, is there anybody? Uh, you know, you've you've done it before. We did it with um, with with Elijah Mitchell. We did it with Ramondre Stevenson. We find those those guys that are a little further down. I know a lot of people like Blake Corum. Um, to me, he seems like just a good college back, but not an outstanding NFL back. I think he's just going to be a good football player type of guy. I may be wrong about that, by the way. I, I, that that is an uninformed take, but kind of just my back of the napkin take a look at you know thirty thousand foot view of Blake Corum. But people seem to like him. Um, is, is there anybody else outside of Blake? I guess he's got a teammate that some people like better than than him. He's not. Declaring. Uh, the, he's not declaring. Yeah, I don't oh, think. Donovan, I don't yeah. think Donovan. So Donovan Edwards out of West Bloomfield High School in Michigan. Um, yeah. a guy who lined up at wide receiver. He's also he's tall. He's six foot two, like two hundred pounds. Uh, had an excellent game against Ohio State last year when they ran like all these zero coverage blitzes. And he was running through holes and there was no second level. He has not played well this year. I find it hard to believe that he's going to declare. But you know, when you talk about the guy who has a who could catch 50, 60 passes in the NFL. Donovan, Donovan Edwards is definitely that, but I think we're going to have to wait until next year to talk about him. Some of the other guys are uh, Audric Estime out of Notre Dame yeah. has been having an excellent season. He doesn't have a lot of wiggle, but he doesn't have, a, you know, 230, 235 pounds, something. You know, uh, he's one of these guys when you look at him, I'm trying to think of a player who would – who would who would you compare him to? You know, like Tom, like Thomas Jones. When you looked at Thomas yeah. Jones without sort of, he's just rocked up. That's yeah. what that's what uh, Audric Estime looks like. Just built like a tank. Um, again, not a lot of lateral agility. I don't know how great he's going to be in the passing game, but on first and second get down, somebody who uh, is playing really really well. And then I mentioned his name already. He's not getting a lot of run this year. But Mayan Williams out of Ohio State. Yeah, dude. Every every carry that he gets. He is – it's a boxing match. Like, he, he's not the most athletic player, but, damn it, you're, he's not somebody you're, that, that college players really want to tackle. Um, so I, I think that he's a day three pick that, uh, uh, that, I would, that I'm going to like. Uh, Jonathan Brooks. There we go. Te- I was just about to ask you about Jonathan Brooks. That was, I was just dying to ask you. What about Jonathan Brooks out of Texas? Yeah, Jonathan Brooks, after sitting there behind Roshan Johnson and B. John Robinson, you can understand why he uh, did not get the run and he's getting it this year. Not only is he getting it this year, but he's he is pretty much unseated a 
the, the number one running, freshman running back in the class in Cedric Baxter. He's unseated him and has, has been the starter. So I think that John, Jonathan Brooks has a chance to be, uh, to be that guy. So there are a lot, I, I, there are a lot of names here. Um, some of these guys might be going back to school, but again, like there's depth, but there's not the, there's not the, there's not the one player that you're like, all right, I'm taking this player with the one Oh two. I don't right. think that that guy exists in this class. Right. It's going to be a depth over, over uh ceiling. All right. So yeah, I look at Jonathan Brooks. I'm like, dude, he was, I mean, again, limited carries in, in 21 and 22 behind the aforementioned uh, studs at the top. But in those years, he was 6.8 a carry, 6.6 a carry this year with a lot of, a lot of opportunity. I mean, he's got almost 600 yards in five games, 6.9 yard, 6.9 yards a carry. So, you know, he's six, eight a carry for his career. You know, and then you look, oh, receiving again, he's only had one, two, and five catches. Well, the five catches, not too bad, you know, in uh, in five games, but you look at his 17 yards a catch for his career. So, I mean, you know, every time he touches the ball, it looks like he's got explosion. I, you know, I, I've had a few people hit me up and say, keep an eye on this Jonathan Brooks guy. Um, you know, after, after they're watching games, they're like, dude, this kid can play. Um, so, you know, when I hear stuff like that, and then I kind of take a look at the box score and, Okay, well, you've got my attention. So I'm wondering if he has an NFL body is the next thing I wonder. And as far as mm-hmm. I can tell, it looks like he's 200 plus pounds potentially, which would definitely get him there. So I'm hoping he's 5'10", 5'11", 200 plus pounds. And if he if he tests well, man, you know, he, he, he's checking a few boxes. That's all I'm saying. I, I agree. He does. Okay. He's, uh, I mean, he's a guy, he's a guy like Damian Pierce or Ramondre Stevenson you or, you know, who, if they find themselves in the right situation where they're getting opportunity, they could absolutely take advantage of it. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to wide receiver. I think that right now, Marvin Harrison Jr. If you were asking me, I would, I would, uh, he's my wide receiver. Like he's, he's a top three or four easily wide receiver in my dynasty rankings right now. And I know that that sounds crazy, but I don't think that it is. I think he's, like you said, it's Caleb and Marvin Harrison Jr. Is he? I, he to me, he's just that good. Um, you know, every time I watch him play, it's like he jumps off the screen as clearly the best. Almost, wide almost literally, almost literally jumps out, jumps off the screen. Yeah. So I mean, th- th- this is the guy, right? I mean, there's nothing else to think about. This is this is a real generational prospect or, or or not yeah so we I, I don't know that i would go as far as saying generational uh, he's very good we have cornerstone rankings uh, at campus that is a combined ranking of nfl and college players mm-hmm. and i currently have marvin harrison jr at 28 right mm-hmm. below garrett wilson and above devin i and christian mccaffrey so he's always been a guy that you know, a guy that you can really build your fantasy team around. I think that there's no question that he's going to be a top five draft pick. Maybe uh, do the Bears have the one and two picks this year? You know, maybe even maybe even playing with Caleb with Caleb with Caleb Williams. Wow. I will, yeah, I will say this. You know, he's one of these guys who's a catch radius player. So that spectrum includes Mike Williams. That spectrum includes George Pickens. So you know, if if those players don't sound really sexy, like that is the spectrum that Marvin Harrison Jr. exists on. And uh, for our NIL subscribers at CampusToCan.com, uh, Matt Waldman did a whole breakdown on Marvin Harrison Jr.'s strengths and weaknesses, and even gave us a conclusion on you know whether or not he was buying or selling him. So I'll use that as a little tease if you want to go hear hear that hear that uh, conversation. But 
Yeah, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., I have him like the other – so I have it A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Garrett Wilson, Marvin Harrison Jr. He's, I have him above Stephon Diggs, uh, for example, at the wide receiver position. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's going to be locked in. He's going to be probably a top five draft pick. We haven't seen that, what, since since uh, Jamar Chase. And, right. uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to have the capital. He's going to have the athleticism. Maybe, maybe he gets to play with Caleb Williams, which would be excellent. That'd be crazy. That'd be pretty crazy. I, you know, I, again, I, you know, the, the numbers are sort of showing me that he's, he's a, a legit player. The eye test, as you, as you mentioned, he's a little bit longer than the Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase prototype. You know, he's closer to, you know, I think he's going to test at 6'2 or something, right? I mean, they'd list him at 6'3. I don't know if he's all of 6'3, but I would think he's going to get, you know, 6'2 and change potentially. He does look long and lean. It, but he's not one of these contested catch guys that is, um, you know, uh, you know, just plays on the outside and has to just play that way. He's he's a he's a great route runner with nuance and speed and quickness and and you know, uh, I just think he's kind of the whole package. But he he kind of reminds me of Justin Jefferson, except with a little bit more length, which would be even better as you point out for the catch radius stuff. So he can actually go up and get more. Um, more red I would zone. Obje- I would object to the characterization of uh, uh, not not only not because of Justin Jefferson's Please. talent, but because Justin Jefferson was the slot wide receiver. I understand at LSU. So I understand it was, it was J- Jamar Chase, Terrence Marshall, and then um, Justin Jefferson in the slot. But I don't we, think we don't Marvin- we don't see Justin Jefferson playing slot only. That was the that was a mistake by a lot of us that thought for a moment that he was not good enough to play outside, and he's proven that he can. Is I guess what I'm saying. I'm not saying college to college i'm saying player to player nfl projection to nfl projection yes I, i'm just saying like i don't know i don't know that marvin harrison jr is going to be the player you move like i think he's going to be ah. the boundary player oh gotcha. another uh uh deandre hopkins you know yeah. De- maybe a De- deandre hopkins type you know so there we go um I don't want people to think that, hey, this guy's going to be moving all around the formation. We're going to run him in the slot, and he's going to be like Marcus Colston. I don't necessarily see it that way. That's interesting. Good, good, good to know. That's an interesting thing to start to think about. You heard it here first. Um, okay, so we've got that player. I, you know, Malik Neighbors feels like the wide receiver too now, as he's just putting up cuckoo numbers over at, at LSU. But there's a lot of there's a lot of wide receivers making a name for themselves this year. Uh, put put them in some sort of order. You know, you can look at your rankings uh, right now, and maybe they're forever changing, especially as the results start to come in each week. But if you ha- for your life right now, if if it's not Malik Neighbors, you know who's number two, and if it is Malik Neighbors two, who's three, and maybe talk about those two players. Malik Neighbors is easy to pick because he did it earlier in his career than Roma Dunze did it. Um, but so Malik neighbors, he's probably going to be six foot, but can do a little bit of everything, including contested catches. I don't really like smaller wide receivers. that can, that, that can, you know, that's one of the things that they do well. And I'm like, ah, oh, if you're a six, if you're a contested catch guy, I need you to be like six foot two, six foot three, but right. he is very well-rounded. Uh, you know, is a tough player. Um, did you know had a breakout season as a second year player? So there is a, f- I have faith in his analytical profile. And then you know this year he's actually just going nuts. The other candidates are Xavier. I mean Xavier Worthy. He had like uh, nearly a thousand yards as a true freshman at mm. Texas. 
I think that he is probably one of the better route runners in this class. He has a little bit of Hollywood Brown to his game, especially from a body type perspective. Um, speed can can we? I've seen him a number of times take that that zero step uh, screen to the house and just get outside of a corner, have a cornerback miss miss the uh, miss the tackle and run to the house for a touchdown. But he can also run a great post corner. You know. His hands have been inconsistent, but they say he had a broken hand last year, so maybe that's the explanation for that. So, you know, Xavier Worthy is right there. I, th- I actually think Xavier Worthy is going to be taken in the first round. Um, uh, Malik Neighbors is right there. Roma Dunze is right there. If you want another, the next guy who's going to be an X-wide receiver, line up in the boundary. Um, Keon Coleman at Florida State, who has a basketball background, and you see him do it like uh, – Austin Ace, my colleague at Camp yes. Ken, compared him to Brandon Marshall. And I'm like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense because he's the type of guy who will make the contested catch and then stiff arm you to the ground and keep running. Super physical. So I love Keon Coleman. Troy Franklin is a is a uh, a guy out of, uh, I think, in Long Beach. I think Long Beach Poly, actually, um, mm. who can run jet sweeps and run deep. Um, I, Devontae Walker did not play this year. I think that there's a chance he declares for the for the NFL draft and he could command draft capital. Um, so that's like the that's the that's the top of the wide receiver class as I see it right now. I mean it's 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 deep though. Those are those are some of the names. Well, Keon Coleman had that like the first game of the season. He goes out and puts up nine for one twenty two and three touchdowns, and he's yeah. kind of been a little bit like I don't know. He did nothing in the Boston College game. I don't know if he didn't play or something but like i'm like he got zero catches it's like so I, I, he's he's like is he a boomer bust is he just sort of as you point out it, it, the size it used to be you know what's funny about this felix is like you know for the nfl game it used to be if you saw a guy keon coleman doing what he's doing at 6 4 you'd be like oh yeah this is the this is the guy as you point out you know um the the brandon marshall outside you know guy wins out there that's how you have to win in this league you know, a guy like Xavier uh, Worthy or whatever, he's like 160 pounds. Or I mean, he's not going to be able to play in the league. But now it's almost like it flips it. You're like, this kid may not be quick enough to 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 earn enough targets in the NFL game. This Keon Coleman, I, I'm not sure. What do you, what do you what are your thoughts about this sort of the prototype changing so so much over the last five or ten years? And and how how should we look at that going forward? You are, I think you are exactly right. Like the guys who, it, it seems like the NFL is gravitating towards these guys who are extremely yeah. quick, who are smaller, who have a lot of speed. And quite frankly, the Keon Coleman body type, those guys have been choosing to play different positions. They've been choosing yeah. to play a linebacker, defensive end, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to have some imagination not even so, not that you just need to have imagination like back to Eric Molds and Andre Johnson, like that, and, and Brandon Marshall, like that type of player. Um, and I know, is he, is he quick enough to run the same routes that Xavier Worthy does? Absolutely not. not. Yeah. But hope, but hopefully his offensive coordinator wouldn't ask him to do that. Hopefully his offensive coordinator would stick to posts, comebacks, 
goes, the stuff that Demarius Thomas did with the wide receiver screens and jailbreak screens and stuff like that, using his speed and athleticism to get easy throws from the quarterback. Like that's what I see Keon Coleman doing. I don't see him running slug goes, double moves, you know, that that sort of that sort of thing. But if you if you just kind of want to use a hammer as a hammer, <laughs> I, I still like Keon Coleman's Coleman's profile. So my guy, my guy is fading, uh, and and I'm not sure if he's if he's an NFL pro. Well, he's an NFL prospect, but I'm not sure that he's he's what we thought he was a couple of years ago. And that's Jacob Cowinger, however the fuck you say yeah. his name. Yeah. What, right? Is he maybe yeah. was just a guy, a little bit, a little uh, bit just a guy, or what's going on? Yeah, I was really excited about Jacob Cowing because so Jacob Cowing started at UTEP, I believe, and then transferred to Arizona, Arizona. yeah, to Arizona, and and has put up really big numbers in a spread system. Jed Fish runs a spread system there. Jacob Cowing had really good athleticism coming out of uh, high school, like somebody who who went over twenty one miles per hour that, that that we have timed, et cetera, et cetera. But the the fact that he didn't declare last year scared me a little bit as a G5 yeah. player who moved up, proved himself, and now he's a another a fifth year senior, I believe. So yes, sir, exactly. Right. I had him. Yeah, I had him. I had him high in my rankings. I had him like in the top fifteen. It scared me when he didn't when he didn't declare for the NFL me draft. Um, that was that didn't uh, sound good to me. Yeah, it didn't sound good. So I think that he's a guy that's going to he's going to get drafted. But is he is he this year's Tank Dell? No, I don't think that he's that twitchy. Um, uh, you know, probably somebody who's going to be taken f- fifth, sixth round, and you just do a dart throw at the end of the f- fourth round and, and pick him up. Yeah, but man, I, yeah. D- definitely an asset in C two C leagues because he's productive on the college side. Yeah, well, you can't win them all. You can't win them all. Can't win them all. Um, all right, that was awesome. This is this is why you're on every year. I, I'm not wise enough about the class to really dig in and have a take back at you. I don't. I mean, this is why you're here to kind of help me get there. But um, before we go, and then and then you're gonna yeah. you're gonna have me on yeah. in in a couple of months and tell me about how how I was wrong. I yeah. I know <laughs> I never underestimate you. I never underestimate you. Yeah. The 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 show that is the best is our like whatever it is February show. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because then I'm dangerous. I know a few things. I don't know I don't know everything yet, but I kinda I kinda figure some stuff out and I'm able to I'm able to jostle with you a little bit. Here I'm just like, whatever you tell me, I'm kinda like, oh, all right, whatever the fuck. Yeah, like, you know. So um, but uh can we can we just wax poetic on a few guys and and tell me what your thoughts are, especially coming from, you know, um, you know, what we thought of them as prospects, like it, it wouldn't be a dynasty podcast right now if we didn't talk about Puka Nakua. And I do think that Puka, you know, I, I've got some takes. For instance, I think he's now, and I, I've been looking at my dynasty rankings, trying to move him up or down, and I can't do it. I think he might be right on the edge of a wide receiver one in dynasty. And that is half terrifying, but also like I just can't see a situation where I don't want him there, if that makes any sense, you know? Uh, I agree with you that he's a potential wide receiver one. And here's the thing, because I, I knew when my, Matthew Stafford – I've watched Matthew Stafford's entire career. I mean, I'm talking about from his first game when he was drafted in 2009. He was actually drafted a few – I think he was drafted during my um, uh, my freshman year. Was it my freshman year? 
like right after our football banquet, some somewhere right in there. And I remember he was drafted. Yeah. Um, so I saw him, you know, battle it out with Dante Culpepper uh, for, for for my Detroit Lions, and then take the starting job and have the great career that he did with Calvin. The thing that I knew about Matthew is that if he likes a wide receiver, mm. he does not care. He will target you over and over and over again. It's been Golden Tate. It's been Nate Burleson. Yes, it's been Cooper Cup. It's Calvin been Calvin Johnson. Johnson. Calvin Johnson. Kenny he will Galladay. target you over. Kenny Galladay. He will target you over and over and over again. And so when I saw that that first week with Puka Nakua, I was like, oh, it's going to happen next week. It's going to happen the, the week after that. And I yeah. would not be scared about when Cooper Cup comes back because he's developed that trust yes. with with Puka Nakua, he's going to keep fe- that. That that is who Matthew Stafford is. Yeah, like watch the watch the 2011 game against the playoff game against the Saints. Calvin Johnson was getting double and triple covered, and Matthew Stafford was still fitting that ball in there. Then yeah. Calvin had over 200 yards receiving in that game, and a lot of those receiving yards came with two guys around him. That's how much yeah. faith he had. So yeah. uh, I know that Matthew Stafford's going to feed a guy that he likes, and he obviously likes Puka Nakua. I think I have him as a top thirty or so guy in my uh, corner in my C two hundred rankings at the yeah yeah cornerstone rankings at the site. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I, you know, I I I I don't have him in the top twelve. I'm not saying that. I, actually, the, the the player that I did move up into my top twelve right now and is I, I am I'm I just drafted him in a startup this year was Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk, you know, I, I just, you know, as a first round draft pick, reception perception loves him. I I projected that Brock Purdy would be the quarterback, not Trey Lance. And so for those reasons, I was pretty high on on Brandon Ayuk coming into the year. I think if it's Trey, Trey Lance or, you know, some other situation that may not be as favorable for, you know, uh, Brandon Ayuk, I would have been a little bit more nervous. But Brandon Ayuk's been a great player. I think he's that good. And, you know, I mean, you start talking about like Brandon Ayuk or Jalen Waddell in dynasty and it's actually a conversation. I mean, it really is a conversation. I, I'm not, I'm not saying that I definitely want Brandon Ayuk over him, but that's where he is. I mean, do you want Brandon Ayuk or Devonte Adams? I mean, it's like, yeah, give me Ayuk. You want, I mean, you know, Devontae's going to outscore him this year, but for how many years, I think Brandon Ayuk's the real deal. Um, and, and so like a little further down, you start seeing this, there's sort of this thing where, you know, all right, Cooper cup, uh, you know, Devonte Adams, you know, Calvin Ridley, even these guys are like older. And so they're pretty productive. I mean, it's hard to put them in, a, in, in their right spot in dynasty, but if you start going with guys in their same age bracket with Puka, you know, whether it be JSN or even T Higgins or Michael Pittman or Drake London, I don't know. I mean, you can make a case for Puka Nakua over any of those players, Jordan Addison, you know, I just don't know how high I have him, but I mean, he's in that realm right now because he's producing like he's producing like a top five wide receiver in the NFL. I realize when Cooper Cup comes back, there may be a little shine taken off that. I don't think he's going to see a 15 target game alongside Cooper Cup, but I, I do think he's he's going to be targeted as the second wide receiver. They're going to be the one two punch for sure. Yeah, I, no, I agree with you. Uh, total miss on my end coming out of uh, Arizona State in college. I did not think he was a first-round draft pick. I did not understand. As a matter of fact, I got in trouble with um, Jim Nagy. Well, I didn't get in trouble with him. J- J- Jim Nagy, I said something about Brandon Ayuk not being a, f- a first-round pick. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, 
responding to Jim Nagy's one of Jim Nagy's tweets and then on draft day. <laughs> On draft day, he wouldn't like wouldn't like the tweet. So <laughs> I love um, it. No, yes. t- total total miss by me on him. Um, but uh, yeah, well, well no, here's I, the I thing. Here's the thing, though, Felix. You can miss. I missed with Brandon Ayuk too. I wasn't. I didn't think he was a because you know as a prospect, it, you know he was a JUCO guy. There wasn't. You know we weren't sure, right? So the thing is, is whether you can correct. I always say there's the saying we have on this show: be ready to be wrong. And once you're wrong, it's course correct. You know, it's okay to be wrong. You don't have to stick to your priors. Fuck that. They're not your priors anyway. They're just, it's just a history. You know, it's just like looking in the rearview mirror. Uh, it has no relevance to what will happen in the future. So if you're just driving your car looking in the rearview, you're going to fucking crash. You know, look forward and glance in the back and go, eh, that was pretty stupid. But keep looking forward because that's where the money is. The money's in front of you, not behind you. So, you know, at the end of the day, that's the thing is I wasn't in on Brandon Ayuk either, uh, you know, as a prospect. But as you start to see the evidence, you know, you start to see things change. You have to you have to move with that. And uh, that's that's all this is. This this whole game, you know, fantasy football, whether it's C2C, which is what you do, whether it's, you know, all, it doesn't matter. You just have to try and see the future, try and see the trends. Don't get caught in the past. Look to the future. And that's what it's all about, man. And that's that's what I'm having a hard time with Puka. It's like, well, obviously – you know, you could just say, well, he's the wide receiver four in Dynasty because he's the wide receiver four, you know, on the 2023 season. Of course, that's what it is, you know, but that's also too reactionary. But there is somewhere in between where it's like, what's the most likely outcome for these players going forward? And I think with Puka, it's going to be very, very hard to put that genie back in the bottle. It's going to be very, very hard to say, oh, yeah, he's not good. What are you talking about? He's been amazing. It's not just the targets. See, that's the thing is after week one, everybody was kind of saying, we, we've seen guys get targets like this, and then they suck. It's like, well, yeah, but they even sucked with those very targets that they saw in week one of their – you know, whatever it was. It's like this kid was truly efficient in every single facet of, 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 of those targets. Week one, week two, week three, week four. I mean, he fucking had the game winner this week. I mean, he's been yeah. a real player. Yeah, he, he has, and I don't really have – as long as Matthew Stafford is there and, you know, Matthew Stafford is older, I don't have any reason to believe that that's going to stop. I mean, nobody else has any reason to believe that it's going to stop other than, well, he's a rookie. This is just Cooper cups coming back. But no, I mean, again, we've also seen, we've also seen Matthew Stafford do this with two wide receivers, whether it was Nate Burles, we've actually seen him do it with three one year in 2011 because he did he did it with Titus Young, Nate Burleson, and Calvin Johnson. We've seen him do do it with with uh, Calvin Johnson and 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 Golden Tate. So um, I don't as long as Matthew Stafford is healthy. That's right. um, I I would have faith in uh, in Puka Nakua. Yeah, there's going to be some sort of change if and when either Stafford unfortunately gets hurt as he always seems to do, or you know it, it becomes time for him to walk away, which I hope is not after this year. I, I you know I always pray for health for all these guys, but you know it's it's no certain thing. In the terms of the other guy that that is really changing, you know, the, the landscape of the running back position is Devon. Oh Jesus Christ! I'm going to say a chain. I, I I say we give Devon. A Chan, a nickname. I don't know. Let me think of one. Let's call him A Chain. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, it's like fuck. I can't do it. Um, you, you know. So with Devon A Chain, he's like this guy that, like, you know, we we said it pre-draft. We're like, dude, whoever goes to Miami is going to have some upside. And then when we we, we saw uh, A Chain, we're like, this is a kid that if he can just hold up at the NFL level. 
in this Miami offense, there is a lot of big plays to be had for him. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And now I wonder just how high he should be in our dynasty rankings. Because, I mean, on a weekly basis, you're shoving him in every lineup. I mean, I can't imagine starting very many players ahead of him on a weekly basis. So if he's already there for that reason, and he's a running back, you're only two or three year window with running backs anyhow. What more could you want from a running back in dynasty than what uh, Devon is giving you right now? None. I mean, he, I, I think I have him. I know I have him as a top five dynasty running back. Yeah. And we know that that wide zone system requires speed. And so you should have gotten excited on draft day when the Miami Dolphins running that 49er scheme got a, a, a guy with actual draft capital, with yes. recruiting pedigree, with talent, with speed. He was like a perfect fit. And that was yep. like, I don't know, I think everybody saw that. So are, am I surprised that he's, you know, breaking off 60, 70-yard touchdowns over and over again? Yes. But right. we knew that we knew that it was a perfect fit. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny that you have him top five because I was starting to put him there and, you know, I, I communicated with Chalk about him like, you know, he's not as not as he he's it's perfect because he's a little bit slower to change the rankings, which keeps our sort of uh, consensus rankings between him and I kind of a little bit down the middle. I can kind of be a little bit more reactive and and hot takey with my with my rankings and he can be a little bit more, you know, conservative yet still making, you know, a reaction on. I mean, he has him I think at RB10, I have him at RB5 or 4 or something and you know, putting him at RB6, you know, or whatever consensus sounds about right. Um but now, I mean, you know, A-chain or Gibbs in dynasty, I think you'd rather have A-chain, yeah. Mm, not there quite yes, yet. I'm not there quite yet. So I still, close. I think this might be uh, my Lions bias, and I still mm. think that I still believe Jameer Gibbs is a guy who's going to have um, uh, 100 catch seasons. So uh, in the NFL, so I can't get there quite yet, just because of the way it started. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's about. Oh, one last one. Um, this is this is a great question, right? So, in 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 who? All right, I'll just ask it this way: Who do you have in Dynasty for your life, Marvin Mims or Quentin Johnston? Oh, it's Marvin Mims. I'm trying to get rid of Quentin Johnston. That's an easy one. Like I, I'm literally like I have I, I there was one league I only have Quentin Johnston in one league where I try, took the chance and I'm trying to uh, unload him. But buddy, you want to hear the best trade of all time? I have one Quentin Johnston share, and I just traded him. I sent this offer to a Charger fan, Quentin Johnston, in two-thirds, and he gave me Devontae Adams back. Yeah, you – yeah. Oh that's, why, that's why Charger that's why you're the man. That's Charger you're the fans, man. though. Like, nobody else is doing that deal, but a Charger fan hates the raid. Like, it's perfect storm. You're just like, yeah, he hates – I mean – just awesome. Just awesome. I just felt so good. The league hated me. They were so upset. And the crazy thing is just like you, I was trying to get off him. So everybody in the league knew I was, he was involved in every trade offer. I was making creative offers with, you know, where Quentin was not even the best player in the trade. It's just like, he's in there. It's like, Whoa, look at all this stuff. Plus Quentin, you know, it's like I was doing everything I could to kind of just include. Oh yes. Yeah. So I've been subject to some of your trade offers before. <laughs> Where you use all these uh, smoke and mirrors and uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. It is It is my number one thing. Like if you're trying to get off Quentin, you, you have a hard time sometimes just offering Quentin and being like, give me your 24 first for Quentin. They're like, fuck you. You know, but if you're like, but if you throw Quentin into a bunch of stuff and they're like, well, I'm getting Quentin, I'm getting, eh, he's like a first round pick and blah, blah, blah. I should probably give up Garrett Wilson here. You know, it's like, it just sort of happened. You give up a first plus Quentin plus a thing plus, you know, it's just throw Dobbins in there. They're like, dude, Dobbins could be back to, you know, it's just, everything is like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. I'm click. Yes. Um, anyway. So yeah, that's how you do it. Just throw a bunch of stuff in there that you don't really give a shit about, but looks like it has a lot of value. Yeah. It's like the, it's like the sizzler platter. You know what I mean? When they bring it out, yes. it looks all good. It smells all good. And then you get, it's just yes. rough meat with fucking yeah. soggy vegetables. You're like, what the fuck did I order this thing for? Yes. I've definitely got your sizzler platter offers. In the uh, in the dynasty game or the Dino Game Theory League, uh, where, I'm, yes, where I'm doing terribly. So yes, yes. Oh, <sighs> finally, order was restored in that league, and who is in first place? I, I, you know what? I don't. I don't even. I don't. I'm not gonna even gonna say it. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not gonna even give you the credit. It, it, who knows? Who knows who's in first place? <laughs> I love you, buddy. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you because I'm a bad host and I don't ever say it right. So um, tell them. Tell them where all your shits at because you're the best. And by the way. I keep telling it. I'm going to say it loud and proud again on these airwaves. Sleeper, build it and they will play. We need C2C on a platform where you can have the college team and the NFL team on one awesome, dope platform. Sleeper, wake up. Tell them what. Uh, you you can well we're playing fantasy football a different way you have a your traditional dynasty team but you have a full college roster you're playing college fantasy uh, every week so you're so there uh, Jax is in a league with me where last year I traded Marvin Harrison and Caleb Williams and I got back Kyler Murray Nick Chubb and um and uh Stefan Diggs. Now, two of those players have been injured but it really made my NFL team great so um yeah, we're, that's how we're playing college fantasy football. And if that's something that you're interested in, give us a look at campusdecan.com. We're doing something different. Of course, Campus Decan, wherever you get your podcasts, and Campus Decan on YouTube. Yes. Yes. And uh, Mr. Felix Sharp can be found on Twitter at Sharp with an E, Sharp Review. At Sharp Review. I love, I love you, Felix. You're, you're absolutely the man. Uh, we have so much fun doing these shows. With, I have so much fun doing these shows. With, I know Michael. P. Duncan has a lot of fun doing these shows with you. So thank you so much, brother. Thank you, man. Always love coming on. And on behalf of everybody here at the Undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at the Undrafted, on behalf of the greatest podcast producer to ever walk the earth, Michael Pfizer Duncan, you have been joined by the sharpest Felix Sharp. I am Jax Falcone. And we are out. Out.